So uh, that goes to without saying that happens quite often. And uh, there's this out of the world true thing that actually happened here in Michigan that I'd never heard of before. I had not heard about it until recently. And uh, it's actually something I wanted to look into further and finally got a chance to circle back to it. So um, basically, back in 1990, police in a Michigan city staged an entire fake wedding. And I mean, they went all out to set this thing up, and it was a, uh, it was aimed to uh, be a sting to bust over eighty drug dealers. That is <laughs> crazy. I I kind of want to think about like all the things that could possibly go wrong. It sounds like yeah. something that would have happened a very long time ago, but uh, the nineties, not so far off. No, yeah, this seems like something you would have heard about maybe in like the nineteen thirties or <laughs> or the twenties, the early, yeah. <laughs> So over the years, we've heard of lots of creative ways that law enforcement will get a one-up on criminals, but this one takes the cake, the wedding cake. <laughs> <laughs> Back in 1990, the ultimate trap was set in a Michigan city by police, and it led to the arrest of 86 drug dealers. Called the Wedding Sting, the hoax took place in the city of Owasso, located in mid-Michigan on a lovely September day, and was a very elaborate trap set for the criminals. Yeah, first of all, the bride and groom had actually been operating undercover for several months before the fake wedding was held. Officers Debbie Williams and Lacey Brown were police partners at the time. During their work, they had purchased drugs from up to 50 dealers in the Owasso area. They started realizing that it would be impossible to track down all these suspects as the surge in illegal activities was happening in the area and the department did not have the resources for staffing. That's when they came up with a brilliant idea of bringing the suspects to them. How, you might ask? By inviting them to a wedding ceremony. Yeah, so Officer Brown had actually once been part of a similar operation, although this one was a funeral instead of a wedding, and that's a story I would like to look into sometime also. But this time, he decided to do a happier event to do the large-scale drug bust, and again, limited resources, so they got scrappy to pull it off. A wedding dress was purchased for under $20. Uh, They used some cheap floral arrangements, and made centerpieces out of confiscated beer bottles. Then it was time to send out the invitations. Keep in mind, the drug dealers knew the two from the undercover operation and were probably happy to see these two getting ready to share a life of drug use and crime together. (laughs) So at the event, uh, police even had retired cops on hand and active ones from surrounding communities. And a retired sergeant from the Flint Police Department was even willing to serve as the minister. And Lacey, there's a few other creative tactics that they used for this sting. Yeah, like a cardboard wedding cake that was actually blue for police and decorated with bumblebees, as in sting. (laughs) The groom's real mother played the role of maid of honor. The bride had a gun in her garter. And the bride said that as fake as the fake wedding approached, it actually felt real because she had nerves and was excited as well as uh, the planning going into it. And last but not least, the wedding music was performed by a band called Spock, and that is S-P-O-C. But if you spell that backwards, you get cops. And they (laughs) even played the song, I Fought the Law and the Law Won, which was what was triggering the bust. Yeah, it's so funny (laughs) that that was like, all right, this is your cue. So when the song began, uh, one of the guests suddenly screamed, everyone here who is a cop, stand up. And Williams grabbed the gun from the garter and her and her groom, Moon, started identifying all the suspects for the other officers who were in the room. And needless to say, the guest drug dealers were stunned and had to be convinced that the wedding was fake and that they were really under arrest. Some people 
thought it was a gag as part of the real ceremony. So even though the two officers didn't live happily ever after as husband and wife, we are pretty sure they had uh, quite the story to talk about the rest of their lives and one of the most unique drug busts in the history of law enforcement, not just Michigan. Yeah, I mean, anywhere. You know, I've heard of uh, something somewhat similar. Um, I don't know when it happened, but they had invited all these people to a hotel telling them that they had won this giant prize and they were all people that had like back child support or something like that. Yeah, I remember something like that. I mean, we have heard of things like this, but just nah. the, the fact that they, you know, found a dress. And yeah, did they got a band. Uh, <laughs> right. It's crazy. Floral arrangements, the cake, all of it. And I did post this in a Facebook group in the Owasso area and yeah. just kind of said, hey, do you, do you guys remember this? And a lot of the comments were, oh, my gosh, how could you forget this? This was... <laughs> incredible so oh man people remember i wonder if uh you could get away with doing anything like that again it would be hard now i, I mean, think it would be incredibly difficult pre, there's liabilities pre-internet it's like it feels like something would leak out but anyway if you want to read about this uh i wrote it and it's on our website 953wbck.com or you can Find it on the app as well. We're going to take a quick break and be back with a look at your weather and news. Ah, oh, if there was only a way to control the weather. But we do have a way to get you into the summer spirit with uh, some fun events coming up in Battle Creek at the Binder Park Zoo. Yeah, here's a line that got me. A sleeping bag and a sense of curiosity is all you need. Yep, we're talking about some of these summer camps that are coming up. We talked about them a little bit in the news last week, uh, but we have a few more specific details about what they're going to be doing. Well, yeah, I did want to ask you. You and I had a little bit of a conversation while we were uh, on our little trip down uh, to St. Joseph County over the weekend talking about uh, camp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I I only remember, I remember doing some day camps, uh, but I only went to actual away camp where you stay the night for an extended period of time. I did that one time. Just once? Just just the one time. What was it? Uh, it was band camp. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, uh, and I was in band and our band camp never traveled. Ours was... Well, I didn't was, go with uh, the kids that I went to school with. It was just something I did on my own. Oh, okay. It was yeah. individual, different band members from different schools. Yeah, and there thing. were, okay. if I remember correctly, there was uh, groups from different schools that were at the camp that I went to, but uh, it was just people voluntarily did that. Gotcha. I yeah. was that big of a band nerd, you guys. Because a lot of schools, <laughs> they will hold band camp uh, somewhere else and they'll just be there for a few days, maybe a week, and practice their routines and what they're going to do in the fall at the football games. Yeah, like marching band camp. Yeah. Yeah, and that usually happens uh, during, over the course of the summer, usually the hottest days possible. Yeah, it is. If I remember correctly. Lots uh, of water on hand. Yeah, yeah. But we, ours never traveled. Ours were just during the day yeah. uh, for, you know, one of the later weeks in the summer and we'd get it down and go home for the day and come back the next day. They would sometimes end it with a pool party at somebody's house or a pizza party or something like that. That's but, always nice. But, but you went to quite a few camps though, right? I did. Uh, I was involved with the youth group at my church and uh, even in middle school, things like that. And so there was church camps that I went to. They actually were in Hastings and <laughs> it was funny. Um, I, I didn't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> it was too long. One was like eight days long. Okay. And by day three, I was kind of like, I just want to go home. 
And it was well, wasn't the weather bad? Wasn't that part of it? One year the weather was bad, and I just I wasn't really meeting people. Like I I was one of the only ones from our church that went that year, and so whatever. you didn't go with friends. I was no, I was kind of on I my own. I think that can make a difference if you've got friends that go with you. I think it can make it for a better experience. But it's kind of nice to get a chance to meet some new people too. It is, and then there was another one I went to at the same campground. Uh, it was either the next year or later that summer maybe. And that one I actually enjoyed. So you, yeah. win, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but, and that's the thing. Uh, lifelong memories can be made at camp, and I think uh, the one at Binder Park might be a good one. Yeah, Binder Park Zoo is uh, offering a day camp for kids, uh, grades one through seven. It's eight one-week modules, with each week being focused on different topics. Uh, you can do one week if uh, your kid is a George or Georgette of the jungle, <laughs> or you can do all eight weeks, uh, there's some options there. They uh, range from classy animals to dino park zoo to fact or fiction. Yeah, and it all gets going just after the school year ends. The first week module is Monday, June 13th through Friday the 17th, and the final week begins Monday, August 8th until Friday the 12th. Each day is from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. And then they've got overnights for families and more. Yeah, the overnights are for families, scouts, organized groups, and uh, it can be a fun adventure. They will happen Fridays and Saturdays at the zoo. There are the zoo snooze and the overnight safari. A uh, place of adventure after hours uh, where you may hear the the howl of wolves or you could explore the mysterious Jurassic Park and drift to sleep underneath the stars. Yeah, with the overnight safari in mild Africa, Africa, the idea is to meet animals, hike the African trails after dark and spend the night at the edge of the savanna in your own authentic tinted camp. Sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, Binder Park Zoo says space is limited for the summer day camps and the zoo overnights. Uh, it's a first-come, first-serve basis. So we've put a link at 953wbck.com. Um, and if you're wondering when the zoo opens uh, for their regular hours, it's less than a month away. That will happen on May 1st. More signs of summer and spring and warmer weather to come because Lord knows it's not happening with the weather right now. <laughs> no. And gosh, I haven't been to Binder Park Zoo in a little while. Uh, yeah. Used to go with family and the nephews. Well, you and I had gone, I want to say it was probably like four or five years ago was the last time I went. Yep. Um, one of the last times I went, they had a turtle that was uh, there. It's a turtle that travels to different zoos. And oh, it was, that was alive uh, when Abraham Lincoln was yeah. around still. Yeah. Tur turtles can live an incredible long time. They actually had a whole list in a little thing next to them that said, Here's all the things the turtle's been alive for throughout history, and it was pretty amazing. What was the most significant one for you? Oh, I mean, probably Abraham Lincoln, because I yeah. think that was one of the first ones on the list. I think this turtle was about 140, 150 years old, something That's like crazy. that. That's crazy. But yeah, World War One, World War Two, the like Depression. everything. John F. Kennedy. Now two pandemics. Yeah, that's true. I guess they if the turtle is still alive. They're still adding stuff to that list of the things that this turtle survived. This turtle might survive the rest of us, yeah, the way the, things are going. The last two years, <laughs> a number of things could be added to the list of things this turtle has witnessed in world history. Yeah, uh, Your weather today, it's going to be partly cloudy, a slight chance for rain showers, light winds and a high near 60. Tonight, cloudy periods of rain, winds from the west up to 20 miles per hour and a low in the upper 40s. And tomorrow, windy rain showers, cloudy skies and a high in the upper 50s. Right now, it's cloudy and 38 degrees.
teen is missing, and we want to share details with you so you can help contribute to a reunion. Yeah, we've been reporting on this this, this morning. Uh, you got the information yesterday about this. Uh, but th- this one's a little bit alarming just because of some of the circumstances. Uh, I mean, she's 15 years old, so I mean, it would be alarming anyway, but she has some complications um, that are making the family and officials a little bit worried about her safety. Yeah, that's right. Uh, she's been missing since Tuesday, March 29th, uh, just 15 years old. Uh, her name is Cheyenne Mentor, and she's got uh, definitely a grandmother that is uh, just beside herself with worry right now. Um, a missing persons report was filed with the Battle Creek Police Department, and uh, Cheyenne has not been seen or heard from for a week now. Um, and she doesn't have the normal critical thinking or reasoning capabilities that others her age have. She's yeah. just uh, a little behind developmentally. Right. And she has albinism, um, a pale complexion. Um, this is some of the description we're going to put out there. And we do have photos, too, at 953wbck.com. Uh, she has white or blonde hair with red eyes. Generally, though, she dyes her hair uh, darker. It was last known to have uh, either black or a dark brown look. And she is legally blind as well, um, but does have some limited vision. On uh, It's said she has friends who attend Lakeview High School. Yeah, that's what her grandmother said. So uh, if you've got uh, some students uh, at Lakeview High School, maybe have a conversation with them and see if maybe they've seen or heard anything. Um, you know, let them know that by sharing that information with you, they're not uh, getting her into trouble. It's to help her um, so that they can verify that she is safe. Um she does sometimes wear glasses, and anybody that has any information, um, we'll give more description here. Um, Cheyenne is described as a white female. She stands five feet, one inch tall, just a little over one inch. It's like five feet, one inch and a quarter, and she weighs about 111 pounds. And again, her hair is dyed uh, black or dark brown right now, and uh, she sometimes wears glasses. So if you have any information, call the Calhoun County Dispatch or the Battle Creek Area Silent Observer Line. And again, you can see photos of her at 953wbck.com, as well as get all that information that uh, we just were talking about here. Yeah, and there was somebody that had said, wait, her eyes don't look red. Uh, but, you know, obviously with phones and, and stuff now, you can put filters and do all sorts of different things. And uh, you just took the photos that were available yes. of Cheyenne uh, to get something up there. So uh, keep in mind, sometimes there's filters that alter the image, but her eyes are red. Yes, uh, and, and there are contacts available that you don't even have to have a prescription for. You can find some of these colored contacts uh, at uh, like gas stations now yep. and uh, other places. So um, you can't always uh, just rely on that. Uh, and sometimes photos that'll play tricks on your eyes and uh, won't look quite the way it does in person. Yep. And sadly, there are more ongoing missing persons cases, uh, not just locally, but in the region And uh, along with the one about Cheyenne, uh, if you go to the Missing Persons tab on our website, you can look at some of the other cases that uh, we've reported on recently. Yeah, and uh, while we're on the topic of these uh, young adults, there is something that I think is worth mentioning um, for parents to be aware of. Uh, Northern Michigan homecoming king uh, recently died by suicide after an online sextortation. And sextortation, what that is, is is these kids are sending pictures to strangers online 
and then somebody is threatening to do something that would maybe embarrass them or perhaps get them in trouble with their family. Um, And they're putting so much pressure on these young people that at least in this case, this young man who seemingly had a really good life and um, very happy otherwise uh, ended up taking his own life. Yeah, it's an absolutely tragic story. A 17-year-old from Marquette uh, was worried, uh, like you said, he had pictures he had taken of himself. Um, you know, young people have all sorts of different hormones and things going on. Not just young people, there's adults too. And in fact, I've heard about adults who have become victim to some of these online sextortion. And basically that's a combination of the word sex and extortion. Right. Of course, extortion is when you threaten somebody uh, to to expose some kind of information that would be embarrassing. It could be related to sex. It could be related to all sorts of things. And you basically say, well, if you give me money, I'll keep that information private. And the the really sad thing, and we'll get to that more as we go through the story, a lot of the times they don't even have anything. It's they're, there's, they're not going to do anything. These are just the, the worst types of scammers that yeah, are online. They're preying on them because they're, they're young kids and they're, they don't have the comprehension that, you know, we as adults will have and uh, they panic. Right, it's sort of and are scared to ask for help. It's almost a different form of the one that they do, where they prey on the elderly and try to convince them that something horrible happened to a grandson or something like that, and so um, you know you need to go do this money. It's and I do want to say this isn't something that just happens to other people's kids. Um, I myself, I've had a family member go through this, um, and it happened to be a, a female relative of mine. She was quite a bit younger at the time. Uh, she has since gone on to graduate high school and has a good, happy, healthy life right now. Um, but when she was quite young, um, maybe even junior high age, uh, another young person um, talked her into sending photos of herself, and then. Uh, tried to to get her to keep sending them, and when she refused to do, they had threatened to do things that would embarrass her, or perhaps make her think that she would be in trouble as well. So th- this is happening in this area. It isn't just happening in northern Michigan or other big cities that you hear about. We're having this happen right here. Yeah, and if if you're a teenager or anybody who's ever gone through something like this, and the, these threats are coming, you know. It's going to be hard, but talk to somebody. Either talk to law enforcement or talk to your parents. A trusted adult. A trusted adult. They may, yeah, they may be upset that you, you know, sent images or participated in something like that. Um, but don't don't believe what the people on the other end are telling you. Yeah. At least get the information to somebody who can investigate it. Uh, his name was Jordan DeMay, All American kid, star athlete, homecoming at Marquette High School. Um, authorities believe he was being extorted through Instagram over pictures he had taken of himself and he was put under extreme pressure to pay money in exchange for the pictures to not be sent to his family and other followers on Instagram. Yeah, and the Marquette Marquette County Sheriff says the sextortation took place in roughly a six-hour period of time before Jordan took his life on March 25th. Yeah, and apparently uh, the worst, not the worst thing, I mean, this is all terrible, but he sent them money, uh, but then they said, well, this isn't enough. You know, you got to send more. And I'm sure that would have just kept going and going. And again, the scary thing is the sextortion is becoming a lot more common 
with children lately. Yeah, uh, Michael Swall is the Internet Crimes Against Children investigator for the Winnebago County Sheriff's Office. And he says predators are targeting teens and preying on their vulnerabilities. And it's a cycle of victimization where that fear is embedded in you. And then you think they're going to distribute those pictures and it can push people to the brink. Yep. And unfortunately, that's what happened with this team. And again, sometimes these manipulations are just empty threats. If they fail the first time, sometimes they won't do anything about it at all. Um, they're just trying, you know, to hope somebody falls for it. Um, but, you know, the, the scammers probably aren't aware that this happened to this team. It's or, possible. I mean, they could have been from out of state, they might be from another country. Um, I don't know if they had tried to convince him that they were like somebody that went to his school or, you know, there's all sorts of devious things they could have said. Uh, but it's just so tragic that he felt like he was in an impossible spot. Yeah. And uh, sadly, the perpetrators can be very difficult to track down, sometimes being located in different countries, um, which means it's very difficult because the local police agencies can't just uh, hop over to another country and arrest somebody. About 60% of sextortation victims actually know who the offender is. So that could be other kids their age. It could be adults that know them um, or at least met them through social media. Children's and teens can sometimes be a little bit too trusting. So that's why it's important to have these conversations. As uncomfortable of a topic as this is, it's not worth ignoring and losing another life. No, absolutely. And the Marquette County Sheriff's Office and the family of Jordan DeMay uh, are hoping that this story can help lead to conversations about internet safety. And um, so if you want to read more about this and uh, also uh, get the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which we have embedded in the story as well, because uh, we certainly don't want to see anything like this happen again, you can find it at our website, 953wbck.com. <laughs> The reason for that is uh, there's a fun way to get around town that is going to happen again in Battle Creek this year. It was something uh, that was first uh, begun last year, and uh, it's been brought back. You know, and I think with gas prices being what they are, I wouldn't be surprised if they get a lot of use out of these this year. But uh, the electric scooters are going to be returning to downtown Battle Creek. Yep, a fleet of nearly 100 electric scooters are going to be placed in various areas around downtown. They're known as bird scooters, and they aim to help people get around a little faster and easier without having to use their vehicles. And like you said, uh, with the high gas prices, this could be especially convenient. Absolutely. Have you ever ridden on a moped or a scooter like that? Mm, I mean, a little bit. Not really? any active distance. <laughs> like around the block when your friends had one yeah, or something like that? something like that. Skateboard, maybe. I remember I really, really wanted one of those mopeds when I was younger. You know, <laughs> before I got to the age where you could get a driver's license. Because if I'm not mistaken, the mopeds, you could be a little bit younger. You could. I like the three-wheeler. Uh, my family had one out on the Well, those farm. go much faster than a moped, I think. Yeah. Well, when we'd go up and visit uh, my extended family, they had a three-wheeler we'd take out on the fields, and that was always a lot of fun. Yeah. I used to have a family member that would take us out riding around, too, out in the country on those, and uh, 
Yeah, but mopeds, on the other hand, I always wanted one of those, but uh, I couldn't quite uh, bring my family around on board to allowing me to get something like that. Maybe it was for the best. But these electric scooters um, in downtown Battle Creek to get around are, uh, they, they don't go too fast. Uh, no. They're, they're pretty safe. Um, and they're electric powered, so you yeah. just plug them in, they recharge. So yeah, last year this program was introduced by the uh, city commission. They had approved an ordinance for the scooters. And uh, a lot of people used them. They Yeah, in fact, uh, people in Battle Creek traveled over 10,500 miles on the scooters in 2021. Yep, Jess- Jessica Vanderkolk spoke with the Battle Creek Inquirer and said, overall, we were pretty happy with a successful year one and look forward to neighbors using the scooters again this year. And they also seem to have a pretty good record on safety as only one accident involving uh, an electric scooter was reported, according to the Battle Creek Police Department. Yep. So here are some uh, things you need to do if you want to use these scooters. The first thing to do is uh, right in the comfort of your home or wherever you're at right now, download the Bird app, B-I-R-D, and uh, create an account. Uh, And then you can use that app to locate scooters in Battle Creek. And you can use it for a ride and then leave it at another location for another rider. They can go up to 25 miles on a fully charged battery. Um, keep in mind that uh, geofencing is tracked to keep uh, riders within the designated riding areas, which that means you're <laughs> going to try to get outside of town. You're going to head down to Albion or something like that. <laughs> uh, it's going to put a kibosh on it and it's not going to let you go that far. Yeah, they want to keep them relatively close to the you know the areas in downtown so that they can uh, get back to the charging areas and all that but it is kind of a neat thing that you can just leave it where you're going yeah and then someone can pick it up there or later um it'll get brought back to uh, the charging area or something like that and the cost yeah a dollar a dollar just a dollar to start a ride and then 39 cents per minute after that uh, plus there's taxes um you do need a three dollar deposit that may be charged at the start of the ride and the payment may be uh you can make it with a debit or credit card or even just using paypal but yeah, very affordable because, again, you're probably not going to be on it for more than mm, five or ten minutes if you're starting one end of downtown going to the other. Um, so just a few bucks to take the ride. Uh, a couple of guidelines, though. Make sure they're used on city streets, bike lanes, and paths only, as well as the downtown sidewalks. And you have to follow standard road rules, and it would be a good idea to wear a helmet as well. Absolutely, and it's not because you're a bad driver. No. It's because the roads are full of bad drivers, and you have to worry about them. Yeah, and if you're on a uh, scooter, your injury is going to be a lot worse than if you get struck in another car, potentially. Seven days from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. You can't live your life uh, just living for the weekend, that's for sure. No. We, we'll work toward the weekend. Yeah. Everybody's working. <laughs> Lover boy was right. Everybody is just working for the weekend. Those guys were scholars. <laughs> well, this is a little bit unfortunate, uh, but unfortunately, it doesn't surprise me, but nine out of 10 Michigan rivers are too polluted to swim in, according to a study. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, we've got the Kalamazoo River, uh, especially in the Kalamazoo area where you can't fish out of that. I mean, you can fish, but you certainly don't want to eat anything. No, um, there's been years of contamination from factories. Most recently, there was the sediment release, um, which is causing all sorts of ecological problems on the river. And Um, people just using it as basically a trash can. Yeah, there was a homeless camp in the downtown Kalamazoo area that uh, uh, they threw all sorts of stuff in there. I was actually part of a river cleanup event that happened last year 
with the Kalamazoo River Alliance. And I am planning on doing that again this summer uh, when they do that event again. I hope we get an even bigger turnout for it. Yeah, and, uh, but back to the topic at hand here. They don't call Michigan the Great Lakes state for no reason. Michigan is four out of five of the Great Lakes. And uh, there are over 11,000 inland lakes and 120 major rivers in Michigan. Yep, and in total, that's about 36,350 square miles. But a new study from the Environmental Integrity Project says that 95% of Michigan's rivers and streams are just too polluted to swim in. And in fact, 45% of the inland lakes are also too polluted uh, to swim in. So you might be wondering, what is an impaired lake, river, or stream? The study defines impaired waters as those that are too polluted to meet safety standards for swimming and recreation, aquatic life, fish consumption, or for use as drinking water. When you break it down in the state of Michigan, that's about 54,000 miles of rivers and streams that are polluted with things like nitrites, bacteria, and other contaminants, which could make them unsafe for swimmers. Yep, and some of the biggest contributors to the poor water quality are organic waste compounds, including pollutants uh, from things such as car exhaust, factory smokestacks, tar, insecticides, herbicides, and detergent ingredients. So what can be done uh, to help Michigan's lakes, rivers, and streams? The Environment Integrity Project researchers recommend the EPA update its regulations, enforce those already on the books, and allocate more resources and staff to do so. The U.S. Congress passed the Federal Clean Water Act in 1972. Yep, uh, that law promised fishable and swimmable waters no later than 1983 and the elimination of all discharges of pollutants into navigable waters by 1985. I don't know that we quite made that. Does not uh, look to be the case, but uh, if you would like to read more about this, then uh, we have links back to the original study as well as uh, all the information you heard us talking about here. Um, but maybe we could still turn the ship around. Yeah, let's hope so um, because there's just, you know, part of summertime and the fun. I mean, you've been talking about it a lot the last few weeks. Looking forward to getting out. Uh, on the kayak and one thing that's fun to do is to get out and get in the water and swim a little bit uh, as long as you don't um, lose contact with your kayak then you're going to be swimming the rest of the way (laughs) (laughs) or at least until somebody uh, nice happens by and is willing to give you a ride back to your group (laughs) (laughs) right um but yeah being an inside joke there uh, of course i needed to be rescued a couple years back when i was out uh luckily it did not involve any first responders (laughs) we'll share that story uh some other time (laughs) we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back with a look at your weather and traffic so kind of a parent's worst nightmare this new story uh that we are gonna get ready to talk about here but uh michigan mother's car was stolen with her baby inside oh my gosh how would you i don't know I don't even know. Like, I, I'm not a parent. Uh, shoot, if it was one of my nieces or nephews, I would probably be capable of about just about anything <laughs> um, trying to get that back and find out who's responsible. Yeah, this woman recently shared this unimaginable story of having her car stolen with a young child in the back seat. Her name was Dejunai Gray uh, in Detroit. She says she was just away from her vehicle for only a moment when it was stolen with the toddler inside. So what happened? Well, she said it happened really fast. She said she stepped out of her car for a split second. She stood by the door and her sister was walking into a hair shop. She says that her sister was visiting a new hair salon for the first time and she was trying to help her get settled in. Yep, she said, I was trying to make sure she was settled in and her first time being at that shop. 
uh, standing between the outside of the car and the and the shop. She just turns around and the car is gone. And, and I know many times people say that uh, they've just lost for a split second. But in this case, an employee inside the shop was able to corroborate her story, saying she was just away for the car from the car for 90 seconds. That's all it took. My goodness. Uh, Detroit police say the teenage driver who stole the car got out of it about a mile away from the salon and actually took the baby out of the vehicle. Uh, there was a good Samaritan in the area who saw the boy, picked him up, and found Gray as she was frantically searching for her child. Yeah, Gray says that a man just was walking up the street and he had her baby, and she said uh, she was just so happy that her little boy was okay. Yep, and the suspect is in custody. In fact, three persons of interest are under arrest and could face charges that could include kidnapping or child abduction charges. Uh, so fortunately, it sounds like it was a fairly quick and uh, happy ending. Uh, the child unharmed, uh, no indications that uh, this was other anything other than a really unfortunate situation. It is an mother. unfortunate situation. Uh, and there's still no word yet if uh, the mother, Gray, will face any charges related to the incident as well. But that's just how quickly it happens. Um, you know, kids lock themselves in vehicles, too, that are left running at times. So between that and... The, the threat of having a vehicle stolen, even even if you're you're not even fully in a building and you've got your just got your back turned, that's all it takes apparently to have your vehicle stolen and perhaps your child taken. Yeah, and again, I, it, it feels like with this one again, I don't know the whole circumstances other than the the person at the salon saying, hey, you know, she she wasn't leaving her child alone. No, for she didn't even minutes. fully go in the building. She was just standing on the side of the building. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could argue maybe a little bit of negligence there just by leaving the vehicle at all with the children inside. But, you know, I just, ugh, it is such a scary situation. I'm just glad everybody's okay. And just a reminder, no matter how quick you think you're going to be, it's not worth it. It's right. not worth taking that chance. Yep, for several reasons. Uh, the safety of your own child, but also potential penalties. And then, of course, we always hear about hot summer days, cold winter days. Um, just not a good idea to leave a child in a vehicle uh, ever. Yeah. Uh, some happier news to talk about now. Uh, WMU has hired somebody. Yeah, a new basketball coach. Of course, last night, the college basketball season came to an end with the championship game. And so off-season moves are going on western michigan had a pretty rough season um and has moved on from their coach last month and so they've been on the hunt and on monday afternoon it was reported that tom Izzo's longtime assistant Dwayne stevens has been chosen to lead the western michigan men's basketball program hopefully back to glory that is a pretty significant hire that is a significant hire stevens played for Izzo at michigan state from 1989 to 1993 he has been an Izzo assistant for 19 seasons, including the last 10 as associate coach. In that time, the Spartans have been to five Final Fours and won six Big Ten basketball titles for in four conference uh, tournaments as well. Yeah, Stevens uh, comes to Kalamazoo with a lot of experience to bring Western Michigan uh, with all that uh, tournament experience. Uh, prior to joining Izzo's staff, he was an assistant at Oakland University and an assistant at Marquette for a few seasons. Uh, he actually helped Marquette get to the Final Four as well. Yeah, in addition, Stevens is uh, considered a top recruiter, which is something I think any school would appreciate, including Western. Well, and along with being a top recruiter to begin with, um, his name is going to mean something to a lot of these players. They're going to know, yeah, he worked with Tom Izzo. This guy 
probably knows what he's doing. As we mentioned, uh, the former coach Clay Bates for the Western Michigan Broncos uh, was fired after just two seasons. This past season, Western finished and last in their conference with an eight and twenty-three record. So, uh, a big aggressive hire for the Western Michigan Broncos. Yeah, Izzo had a little bit to say on that as well. He had nothing but uh, high praise for his now former assistant, saying he's very happy for Dwayne to get the opportunity to be head coach and to run a program like the one at Western Michigan. And uh, he said that uh, just happiness would be a vast understatement. Yeah, and there were rumors, and uh, not just rumors, I mean, like legitimate speculation that Stevens could have been the heir apparent for Izzo at Michigan State. So, again, for the Western Michigan Broncos to get a hire like this, um, it looks like some good times could be ahead. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with a look at your weather. Uh, well, there... For those of you that uh, love video games, uh, you're going to want to pay attention to this. There's a new gaming lounge opening up in Vicksburg. Yep, it's a, it's basically a shared space or a co-working space uh, just for video games. People can come together, either play their own games, do tournaments, uh, you can network with others, or just hang out and watch other people play games. Yep, much like an arcade, gaming lounges generally offer a variety of different kinds of video games for kids and adults alike. Um, and we actually have a video that you can kind of check it out and uh, take a look at what it's all about. I imagine this would be a great way to get some tips. If you're having a game that you're having a really hard time um, getting to the next level or beating a certain uh, area of it, having uh, the help of people nearby would definitely come in handy. Absolutely. And there is one that's going to be opening soon in the Vicksburg area as uh, these types of places have been popped up. It'll be in June of this year. Uh, the opening process is in the early stages, uh, like the address hours and what type of games they will have at the location. They're developing that, but they've said it will feature PS5, Xbox, X-Series, PC gaming, streaming, um, some educational games, and uh, even guest appearances. Yep, it's their hope that they'll become a spot for after-school hangouts for youth or an after-work hangout for adults. With that in mind, they're asking for some support from the community. Yep. They're actually fundraising, um, and we have a link to that. It's LVL Up Gaming, which kind of, to me, looks like Level Up Gaming. Uh, currently has secured a building where they're making renovations and together the final elements needed for their gaming lounge. They're asking people to purchase T-shirts. And it's a pretty cool logo and uh, some very nice shirts. Um, you can take a look at those. We have a link to uh, get involved with the proceeds as they try to get some materials and technology now on the surface and you know video games kind of has that stigma of uh kids spending way too much time inside in front of the tv and not getting outside um but video games have really morphed into what can really be an educational thing and it sounds absolutely. like absolutely there's not only is it educational you can make a career out of that now absolutely if you know how to program games and like you and i had a nephew who did uh something special while he was in high school absolutely, and he yeah. learned how to actually build games um build codes create uh websites and uh gosh it's it's fascinating yeah and don't get me wrong there are still are games out there that are kind of mindless and, and don't really well, there's room do for anything. mindless kids kids yeah. have to have a chance to be kids i think as a kid you have to have room for mindless activities from yeah. time to time and yeah balance it with other things but the thing with a lot of the modern games now is some of the simulations and things that are within them uh, can actually serve as uh, ways to learn and train for real life 
situations. I mean, I, the military uses stuff like this, yeah. uh, simulators all the time. Pilots use them. Yeah. So um, it, I, it's, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, some police agencies even use them to, yep. to train their recruits. Yep. So uh, video games, uh, of course, you know, for a long time, it was just like a fun, silly thing to do. Pac-Man, right? That's, that's the one I remember. And uh, Nintendo, when that came out and Sega yeah. Genesis. But uh, in the modern age, it's just it's amazing how they've developed now and how realistic. Remember when Pong is. was like a <laughs> record-breaking technology? Right. <laughs> and now, I mean, you show a kid that, they're not going to be impressed at all. No, it's a, just a, a <laughs> it's black a dinosaur with two white bars <laughs> and a little square ball just going back. I can't even forth. tell you how many hours I spent playing Pong growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had that too. Um but anyway, it's just uh, it's another one of those things that over the course of time, and, and again, it's 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 meaningful now. It, it actually has real life applications. Video games. Who would have ever thought back in the day? Right. So. Uh, but you still can get too much of anything. Yeah, you need to still get outside, get some vitamin D, and do some uh, physical activities to balance everything out. <laughs> well, if you'd like to read more about that, uh, you can find it on our website at 95.3 WBCK. We're going to take a quick break to check in with our all-outdoors update.